Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody feeling this morning? Y'all glad to be in church? Hey, it's fall, finally, it's here. Where's all my pumpkin spice people? I've seen y'all at Starbucks. The lines are so much longer now. You can get right through in the summertime. Starbucks in the fall, man, you're waiting in the street. Hey, I want to just say a big welcome to all of our guests today. Welcome to church today. Welcome to International Family Church. We're honored you would be with us. And if I haven't met you, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Josh Roberts. Me and my wife, Stephanie, have the privilege of leading this great church. And after service, hey, we, it is a privilege. After service, we're going to be at the front door, and we would love just to shake your hand and say thank you for coming. And I want to give you um, an invitation this Friday night. Everybody say this Friday. Not next Friday, this coming Friday, 7.30. Uh, Steph and I are going to be right here in the auditorium. We're going to do something that we've never done. We're going to take about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, and we're going to have a vision casting time and also a time of prayer, a time for us as a congregation to pray about our future. Uh, this last year, Steph and I have been feeling some leading, some promptings by the Spirit to make some adjustments and shift what we're doing, how we're doing it, and I think it directly impacts you and your families for the better. And so I'm going to take some time Friday night to share a little bit about what's been going on in here and tell you a little bit about what's coming up. And so there's no kids, uh, there's no kids world or child care that night. If you want to come, bring the kids right in here. We would love to have them as well. They don't bother me. Last week, uh, we started a brand new series and we began talking about relationships. Everybody say relationships. relationships. We all want them. We all need them. But man, sometimes there are a lot of stinking work. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Sometimes relationships are tough. Things, things don't go as planned. And today I want to continue, but I do want to flash back just for a moment and give you a few key points from, from last week. And the first thing I want to say to you, if you weren't here, is that, that God desires to have a relationship with you. God, your Father, God, the creator of the universe, his first and foremost desire is to have a relationship with his creation. And everything else that he built around uh, this planet was for our enjoyment. And the Bible says that, that God was happy with all the things he made. Look through the, the scriptures last week in Genesis 1. He created the, the heavens and the earth. Man, he said, it's good. Created the light and separated darkness and said, that's good too. The mountains and the ocean said, it's good. I love what's happening here. Put the fish in the ocean, the birds in the sky. And again, he said, it's good. And then he created man, and he said, oh, this is very good. But then in the next chapter, chapter 2, he finally says something that's not good. And he said, it's not good that man be alone. God's plan for you, number one, is you'd have a relationship with him first. And out of that relationship, you would have a relationship with other people. I said it last week, I really think it's very difficult, and actually you would be against the odds if you were to succeed in life by yourself. The true key to success lies in this, the relationships with other people. And last week, I talked about the importance of having godly relationships. And I'll be honest with you, I have two types of relationships in my life. I have, I have godly relationships, people that believe like me, people that have the, the same uh, DNA that I have as faith and professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have a connection in, 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 in the spirit realm. But I also have a group of friends that they're not believers, they don't know the Lord like I know him. In fact, some of them don't want to know the Lord like I do. And I think it's important that in this season, we talk about this a little bit more, that all of our relationships should not just be Christian relationships. 
You are called to be salt and light in your world. Wherever he sends you this week, he's sending you as a missionary. You're on mission. And so here's the crazy thing. If we're to be on mission and to walk upright and, and live a righteous life, but we have to interact with people that don't have that view, man, a lot can go wrong. A lot could be challenged or stressful or strenuous in our relationships with people who maybe don't believe like we do, but I think that's okay. We can be the mature ones and we can live and walk in love to everyone around us. That all people would hear the gospel. Last week I talked about our godly relationships. I'll give you just a few things right here. I talked about it's important you have relationships that believe like you do and that pray for you. We all need relationships that pray for us. There's going to be seasons in your life that, that, that you're, you're going to need the prayers of somebody around you to uplift your spirit and to get you on to that next season. I'll take all the prayer I can get. The second relationship, the benefit of a godly relationship is people that celebrate with you, people that champion you, people that cheer you on. I, 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 can't, I can't live my life with everybody trying to pull me down all the time. I got to have some people in my corner. I got to have some people in my close inner circle that cheer me on, that motivate me, and that also celebrate with me. You know, there's a lot of people that are so jealous when somebody else has something great in their life and they kind of get a snooty attitude like, man, who are you? How'd you get a new car? How'd you get a raise? And, and, and we get to say, hey, it's not us, just it's the Lord, God's blessed us, it's, it's his favor. But I say this to you, when you go out in the world, not everybody wants to champion you. In fact, the world's system of achieving success is to step on the person in front of them so you can climb up higher. In fact, that's what we learn in school a lot of times. And we're teaching our kids that you got to look out for yourself. And that's a complete contradiction for the word. The word says we don't need to look after ourselves. He's taking care of us. We need to look after those around us. The way we succeed in life is not stepping on others and pushing others down so we can promote ourselves. It's actually the opposite. We take the route of humility and we lift God up so they can see him through us. A couple other things we asked. We talked about the importance of having people that sharpen you to help you grow. Everybody say, I want to grow. grow. Now say it like you mean it. Say, I want to grow. grow. One of my greatest fears in life is that I'm going to get stuck and stay the same. And one of the greatest ways to avoid being stuck and staying the same is get around people who are going a little bit faster than you, that have a little bit more vision than you, maybe even have a little bit more in, in, uh, uh, vitality or, or energy about them. You know, when I was depressed, and I was depressed for, for quite some time, when I was depressed, I realized all the people around me were depressed. Like I just gravitated towards them. Suck me in like a tractor being, like, you belong over here with us. And yet I found myself miserable, anxious, depressed, fearful, not sleeping at night, tormenting thoughts all through the day. And when I realized it's like, man, everybody around me is jacked up. I got to get around some people that'll help me grow into the next season. Somebody to help me sharpen who I'm supposed to be. Another piece that we talked about was we need people that help us can't do life alone. There's going to be times where you fall down and somebody's going to need to help pick you up. Oh, I'm going to be good. Hey, just hold on and wait. It's coming. You're going to fail at something and you're going to feel sorry for yourself and you're going to need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, this just today. Tomorrow's brand new. 
Somebody that helps you up. The last one is you need people that push you towards Christ. The world's trying to pull us away from Christ. Pull our children away from Christ. Divide our relationships. We need people that push us towards Jesus. Let me pray for you and we'll jump into part two. Father, we thank you again for your word. I thank you that as we meet your word, we meet Jesus. And Lord, as we meet Jesus today, then we recognize it's his word in this book for us. So we take it seriously. We're going to apply it in our life. These are not just incidental homeowner improvements to our life. Lord, we base our foundation of everything we do on your book of your grace and your mercy for us. So Lord, I ask you for your, for your people. Give them ears to hear what you want to say to them today for their walk, for their life, for their relationships. Give me boldness to declare your word as you place it in my heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Part two, I want to talk about monitoring healthy relationships. Everybody say, I need healthy relationships. And so it's your job, if you want healthy relationships, you've got to monitor the relationships that you have. You know that there's some things in life that somebody else cannot do for you. There's things in your life that, that you are responsible for, and one of them is managing the relationships that you have stepped into. During the last few weeks, I've been reading a lot about and studying a lot about relationships because this is something I struggle with. I'm not the best at it. I'm an extrovert, so I can be friendly with everybody, but man, people annoy me. People get under my skin just like they do yours. And someone would say, oh, you're, I thought you were a pastor. Uh, I, that's just a title on a business card. That's just a calling that God's given me. I still put my boots on one at a time just like you do. I still drive in crazy Massachusetts traffic just like you do. I still encounter craziness just like you do. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm removed and everything around me is angels and harmonies singing around. It's, it's not that way. My kids still throw up on the floor. Let my kids still make messes. My wife still gets attitude and I get attitude with her. We're human beings. And here's the thing. There's no difference between any of us. We're a spirit in a soul suit covered in flesh, guess what? We're going to have some conflict. I said, we're going to have some conflict. And if you ain't had conflict in relationship yet, um, you've been living by yourself. Because the moment you choose to do life with others, man, things get sticky. And with some people, they get sticky real quick. And here's the opportunity we have. We get to manage how it affects us. And we get to manage how we affect others Here's a quote or a statement that I read over the last week that really jarred me, and it actually shifted today's message, so I've, I've, re, I've redirected it towards answering this. Listen to this. The Carnegie Technological Institute has stated that 90% of all people, everybody say all people, that includes you, who fail in their life's vocation, they fail because they cannot get along with people. I read that and I was like, no, that, that ain't right. I read it again. 90% of people who will fail at their jobs, they fail because they cannot get along with others. Nine out of 10 people who fail at their jobs, they fail because of people skills, because of other people and not being able to manage the relationships. I got to be honest with you, that's a sad statistic. 
In fact, that's a ridiculous statistic because it says you can do great at your job, have a great education, perform at the highest, but man, if you can't get along with people, nine out of 10 of you, you're not even going to make it on your job. I want to say this to you with all kindness, but that statistic has got to change for the body of Christ. This wasn't two different surveys, how many were saved and how many were not saved, how many knew Jesus, how many didn't know Jesus. It said that all people who fail in life's vocation, 90% of them fail, they just don't know how to do the people thing. Did you know your success on your job isn't solely your performance? It's actually a lot to do with how do you get along with people. And as the body of Christ, we have some work to do because this statistic cannot stay true about us at the same time trying to be who we're called to be. We must work against these statistics for one reason and one reason only. Your job is your mission field. Your neighborhood is your mission field. Where your kids go to school is an opportunity for the gospel to go go forth through you as the hands and feet of Jesus. But if nine out of 10 of us can't get, a, can't get this relationship thing right, guess what? You're not able to meet your mission field. I realized um, uh, many years ago, I, I started traveling overseas, and Steph and I have traveled extensively all over the world, 20 nations uh, together. We've taken thousands of people on short-term trips. And one of the first things that I realized when I stepped to a different, fo- different soil on someone else's land is this ain't my home. And I've got to learn the culture here so I can be effective. And what, what was I trying to learn here in this moment? The Lord was telling me, you got to learn how to deal with people at every angle, everywhere, no matter where you want, if you want to be effective to reaching them. Now, some of you may say, I don't want to reach anybody. I just wish people would leave me alone. And I'm going to tell you, then you need to get saved. You need to meet Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus, but I still don't like people. Yeah, you need the the love of Christ shed abroad in your heart that you carry the same DNA with him, which is a compassion for people. I'm going to say this to you, and I I hope you don't leave the church over this. Actually, that's not true. (laughs) If you don't love people, you can't love Jesus. Your relationship with Christ is directly created and connected to humanity. Now, let me say this. You don't have to like what people do, but you still have to see them as the precious fruit of the earth. Thus, we need to learn how to behave and control ourselves so we can be effective ministers of the gospel. Listen to this. Your workplace is your mission field. Your vocation is your opportunity to be Jesus for those people. Here's some crazy thoughts. Many people will succeed at making money, but fail at maintaining healthy relationships. Many people will succeed at staying busy. They're busy. Everybody's busy. But fail at their marriage because they're too busy. Many people will succeed in life, and people will say, oh, they were so popular, yet they failed as a parent because their kids couldn't stand them. I'll be honest with you, the only success we have when we get to the other side is how many people we brought with us. Not how much money you made, not how, how, how many titles you had. No, no, it doesn't matter. And I know we're a place of higher education and I'm not against higher education, but if you're only living for the certificate on your wall so you can feel proud of yourself, you've missed the point. 
The point of a title or influence or accolades is simply influence. And if you've been influenced by Christ, then that's your platform to influence others that they may know him. Romans 12, 18. It gets heavy when you start talking about relationships. Everybody gets tense. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Romans 12, 18. Paul says, if it's at all possible, I like the if. Everybody say if. If it's at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. I said it last week, and I want to repeat it again. Relationships are the key to a successful life. We have to learn how to deal with people. Two years ago, I was driving. I had an old pickup truck, and, and I was driving down 93, headed towards the city, and I was going to get off at, at Commerce Exit over here in Woburn. I think I was probably headed to Chick-fil-A. That's usually the reason why I take that route is we... I don't know about your car and your kids, but my car has like a homing device. Anytime we're like within three miles, my kids start yelling, Chick-fil-A's close, Chick-fil-A's close. And we, we end up driving over there. And, and I was pulling off the interstate by myself. And as I got up off the big curve, my, my truck started making all this noise. It was squeaking and it was like hissing. And as soon as I let off the accelerator, this smoke just started pouring out from my hood. I mean, it freaked me out like I couldn't see the road in front. So much white smoke coming out the sides in the front of the hood. And I thought, man, I just blew the engine. And, and I, I pulled off the interstate there, got to the light, and the smoke's just going, going, going. There's a Marriott Hotel on the corner, and I pulled into there and, and, and where, I, where I pulled over and began to cry. <laughs> Not really. I was probably cursing. I was angry. I was like, no, no. You ever get so mad at your car, you like kick the tire and then you're like, I'm sorry. You're like, I'm not mad at you. You're just an inanimate piece of steel. And, 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 and I'm frustrated because not only am I late for my appointment, but I know this is going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of hassle. The rest of my day just got shot. Anybody else like me that those little things just set you off? And so I'm standing there in the parking lot, fuming and steaming and waiting for the smoke to stop. And I called the tow truck and, and this, this, nice, this nice gentleman drove up. But man, sometimes they're not always nice. When you call for help, you're thinking, man, I hope they send like the nicest person. And a lot of times it's some grumpy dude, you know, what's going on? What the heck happened? What were you thinking? And that's how this guy started talking to me. He's like, so what happened? I'm like, what was your name? Oh, hi, Bill. I'm Josh. Thank you for coming. What happened? I don't know. I just drive the truck. I don't work on the truck. <laughs> and he's starting to get snappy with me. He's like, well, when did the smoke start? I'm like, I don't know. Whenever what part exploded, Bill? I, I don't know when it started. It started at the exit of the interstate. That's when I first noticed it. And he said, well, that's when you should have pulled over. Now, this is going to be a fun afternoon already. I said, Bill, I said, um, I'm not sure what happened with the truck. It started smoking. So I did pull over when I saw the smoke. And he said, well, you should have pulled over when the temperature gauge was hot. You ever have somebody just push your buttons and you want to just see how many teeth you can lay on the ground? Like you just, I think I could get three teeth in one shot. Like it was, that was, just kidding. He started getting snappy with me and he said, hey, he said, obviously, you, you don't know much about old cars. He said, you have a temperature gauge. He said, had you been watching the temperature gauge, you would have known that you were going to overheat your car long before you did and you could have pulled over. And I said, thank you for that information. I could have used it yesterday. 
didn't know. But the truth is, is many relationships fail simply because they're neglected and we are not paying attention to the warning signs that are popping up in our face on a daily basis. See, the, the gauges on our car, they're to help you from having a bad day. The gauges in our spirit are the same way. They're to gauge our relationship so we don't have a breakdown, so we don't have a meltdown, so we don't have an explosive conflict. I have a few gauges in my car that are super important. Maybe you got them. I have a fuel gauge. How many of you got a fuel gauge? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I have a fuel gauge, and it tells me when, when the car is running low on E. And, 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 and I'm one of those guys, like, I, I'm a risk taker. And I'm like, oh, it said, you know, it says E, but the light hasn't come on yet. Any of those folks? I mean, your wife's like, hey, it's on E. And you're like, the light ain't come on yet. We ain't that low. And then, and then you, you push it even more, like 30 seconds later, it goes ding, ding, ding. And she looks at you like, we need to pull over. And you're like, baby, we got 35 miles. We're all good. You know, I mean, you're like, we just press the envelope. I got one of those gauges in my car. I don't always use it. But it's there to help me from being stranded on the road. How many of you ever run out of gas? That's embarrassing. It's one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. I was on staff at a, at a very, very large church. Brand new in ministry. Brand new in ministry. And they said, hey, we're going to have a big meeting. And some of our board members are coming in. And they're going to fly in on their private jets. These were businessmen, very wealthy people. We want you to go to the airport and pick them up. And I thought, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. And so I pulled up the, the, the place where their private jail was. They opened the gate and they said, sir, just drive out. I drove out on the tarmac. It was awesome. I pulled my car and a couple of guys came and un- opened the door for me, opened all the doors. They landed. They loaded the luggage in. And we got down the road about 10 minutes. And guess what? I ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun day. Thank God I'm good with people or I would have lost my job over that. Running out of gas is something we need to pay attention. Here's a couple other gauges. Speed. How many of you have a speedometer on your car? How many of you use the speedometer on your car? I was in a car the other day, a newer car, and it, it started beeping over and over and over and over. And I was like, what's that beeping? And the guy next to me is like, I don't know what the beeping is. And he, he started playing with the computer. I says, beeping over. I was like, beep, 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 beep. I kept thinking I'm winning something. Like, no, I won something. It's like a slot machine or something. Beep, beep, beep. He said, no, no, you didn't win anything. He said, oh, I know what it is. He said, you're going over the speed limit. He said, this particular car uh, company, he said, they realized that nobody watches the speedometer, so they put a, 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 a notification in there, and it just beeps everywhere. I'm like, you need to turn that junk off. <laughs> that thing's wearing me out. I have, I have an oil gauge on my car. It checks the pressure in the, in the motor. I have a temperature gauge. I have a battery gauge. I have a pressure gauge. Let me ask you, do you have any gauges in your life for monitoring relationships? Like maybe a little warning sign like, man, this thing's going south. This ain't going to work out. Or man, this is toxic or this is abusive. Because most of us, we get in relationships and we just take it as it is. I guess that's just how they are and I just got to deal with it. I want to tell you this. You don't have to put up with nothing. You're in charge of your relationships. Nobody has any authority or power over you. You get to decide what happens in your vehicle on the destination to on the on the trip to your destination. And I want to talk about this for a few minutes about dashboards. Dashboards are useful for monitoring, measuring, and analyzing relevant data in key areas. So let me ask you this: Do you have a dashboard for your relationships? 
What if we had an internal dashboard that we, that we kind of monitored over the weeks and months as our relationships grew and grow and grow and grow? Here's, let me give you three. You ready? I'm going to give you three because I'm having to manage some relationships in my life. And even through this series, the Lord has said, hey, I, I want you to make sure that you're in charge of your life and let everybody else do what they're called to do. So I want to give you some gauges. Now listen, listen very carefully. These gauges and these monitoring systems that I'm going to talk to you about, they're for you, not your spouse. They're for you, not your kids. These gauges are in your viewpoint, not your coworkers or your boss or your professors. See, you can't manage what everybody else is doing and they're into the relationship, but we've been given the ability through Christ to manage our relationships. Here's the first gauge that I've added in my life when I monitor relationships, and that is the fuel gauge. The fuel gauge. Everybody say fuel gauge. And the question of the fuel gauge is, am I adding fuel to those around me or am I deleting fuel from them? Am I adding value to, to the people I'm in relationship with or am I draining them? You can ask that in your own mind of those around you. Lord, are these relationships adding to me or are they draining me? Every relationship has the ability to do two things. Number one, relationships have the ability to fill you up. They also have the ability to drain you. They also have the ability to empty your tank. So let me ask you right here in this moment, what kind of relationships are you in? Are they filling you or deleting you? Are they filling you up or draining you? Truth is, is we should inspect all of our relationships. As a husband, I need to ask myself, am I fueling my wife or am I just wearing her out? Wives, you could ask yourself the same thing about your husband. Am I fueling him? Am I honoring him or am I disrespecting and draining him? We could ask this about our kids. Do we fill them up or do we tear them down? Every relationship has the capacity to fill people up or drain them. And somewhere in between, there's a gauge that says, this is where you are with your spouse. And this is where you are with your kids. And this is how you are with your coworkers. This is how you are with your classmates. Every one of us need to gauge the fuel gauge for our relationships. The truth is, is Proverbs 12, 25 gives it very clearly. It says, anxious fear brings depression, but life-giving words of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. As I was reading this to the first service crowd, it hit me. If joy can be restored, that means it can be taken away. If kind and gracious and encouraging words fill it up, it means that there can be destructive words and destructive patterns and habits that actually drain us. Let me ask you, are you building people up or are you tearing them down? Make sure that you're adding fuel to those around you. Number two, the second gauge that I'm monitoring in my life is the pressure gauge. This is a big one for me right now because I got pressure from all the way around me just like you do. There's pressure at work, there's pressure at home, there's financial pressure, spiritual pressure, there's pressure from friends, there's pressure from enemies. Guess what? We live in a pressure cooker. Does it feel like that to you? For, for me, somebody said, yep, over here. For me, I agree with you. It feels like every morning I wake up, there's so much pressure. 
pressure to perform, pressure to say the right things, pressure to do the right things. And the truth is, is when people remind me of the pressure, that's when I start getting anxious. I want to be a pressure-free friend, and I want friends that are pressure-free in my environment. Here's what I say. I want to be low-maintenance. Two kinds of friends and two types of relationships. You've got them. Listen to this. Some of you got some high-maintenance relationships. Right? They're high pressure. It's just a lot of work. And then you've got those friends that when they call and they want to hang out, you're like, yes, yes, I, it's been a week. I would love that. And when they come, man, it's almost like you go, <sighs> what are they, pressure relievers? We have an Instapot at our house, and sometimes I get too excited. I want to let the pressure out early before it's done. And there's a, there's a gauge on the top, and the, care, the careful thing is it, it's high-pressured, and I think it's low-pressured. Guess what? I open that thing up, man. It's explosive. So many people are high-maintenance, but they think they're low-maintenance. If they have to tell you they're low-maintenance, they're high-maintenance. If they have to tell you that they're non-pressure kind of people, get ready, buckle it up, line, line it up, figure the date and time out, because guess what? There's pressure coming. As in the body of Christ, we are called to relieve the pressure of those that we encounter. Like when we walk in, they should be at ease, not tense up. I believe this, that in the stories that I read of Jesus, whenever he showed up, pressure was released because there was crisis going on, calamity happened, and he showed up and they're like, Oh, thank God you showed up. Let me ask you this. If that was a quality of Christ that drew people to him, that has to be a quality of us to draw people to him. Everybody say, I am a low-pressure person. Here's what, here's what pressure sounds like. It sounds like grumbling and complaining. James 5, 9 says, do not grumble against one another. I'm going to add to that scripture a little extra. Don't complain against one another, nor about one another, nor around one another, because that adds pressure to people. Here's the truth. There's, there's two kinds of people. There's, there's those that are negative and they're complainers, and those, those that are positive and they're rejoicers. I gave them different names for today, okay? I call them negative Nancys and Bob the Builders. So ask yourself, would people consider you, not what you think of yourself, but if you took a poll of those around you, are you a negative Nancy? Is it constant drama? Are you constantly over at the mouth just, this stinks, this is horrible. Man, the economy. Man, if we had a different president. Man, if we could, I don't know, hold on. What? Like I get around those people, I don't even know what they're talking about because it's constant negativity. I give them the old Heisman Award. I just keep them at a distance. I, I, I don't have room in my life for people that are negative. But man, I got all the room for Bob the Builders, people that build me up. Man, hey, today's going to be a great day. Today's going to be awesome. Hey, the economy, man, it's just a season. We know this. We've seen it. It'll come back up. How about this negative Nancy people? Never going to be able to buy a house in Massachusetts at 7.5%. I'm going to have to move to Texas or Alabama. Well, I guess you can have what you say. You get to choose if that's your outlet. Guess what? You ain't getting the house. But then I get around some other young people here that I've met recently. Man, hey, he said, we're getting ready to make some real estate investments. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I said, man, we're, we're tithers. We're committed. God's been honoring our businesses. And it's like money's just showing up out of nowhere. I'm getting ready to buy a house. And I'm like, how old are you? Well, I'm 21. 
And I said, you know the interest rates, right? You've, you've gone to the bank. Oh, interest rates ain't got nothing on me, man. You've been preaching it, Pastor. Psalms 512, I got favor before me. I got favor behind me. Everywhere I go, I got favor. God ain't interested. He ain't concerned about the interest rates. Now, let me ask you, which one do you sound like? When someone gets excited and starts sharing vision about what they're doing, do you instantly tell them all the reasons it's not going to work out? Guess what? You're about to lose a friend. And here's the other thing. None of us would put up with that. Make a choice. You're going to be a no-pressure person. Listen to this out of Ephesians. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But, everybody say but but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Many people complain about things they can never change, nor do they want to change. Get around people that are solution-driven. And then as you check this gauge, ask yourself this week, do I bring solutions or problems to relationships? Do I immediately go to the glass is half empty or do I immediately go to, hey, there's plenty of room. This glass is only half full. We have a choice. Some of us wonder why nobody wants to be around us. I just don't have any friends. I can't keep any friends. Yeah, it's because you run your mouth all the time and it's constant negativity. It's actually repelling people away. And I love you enough to tell you this. I was that guy for a long time. And you find yourself isolated. Well, nobody likes me. I know. Shut up. Some of us just need the Psalms. I think it's Psalms 130. It says, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Some things just aren't worth saying. Not every, not every bit of news needs to be conveyed through the words to your friends all the time. But man, if I got people in my life, I want them to know I'm for you, Josie. Praying for you. Got your back. I'm with you. You got this. Let's go. Which one are you? Today we're doing inventory on ourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. Pressure feels like this. What's pressure feel like? Because we can talk about pressure and all kinds of ideas. Pressure feels like and sounds like whining. It sounds like complaining. It sounds like grumbling. It smells like gossip. And a lot of times it feels like slander. If you're around people that are always pointing out things that are wrong with others, get away from them. Because they're saying the same thing about you when you're not there. We'd love to hear gossip. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Oh, my God. So-and-so, come over here. And you're like, whoa, where'd you hear that? Well, she told me. Where'd she hear from? Well, her husband told her, who works with him on third shift. Actually, he didn't hear it. It was overheard by the boss when they were changing clothes. I think they're going through a divorce. We've got to be careful of what we say that we don't know. And what would be the better thing is just to say, let's just, I can't hear all that trash right now. Why don't we just pray for them? Man, they're going through a hard time. If that's the case, then let's bless them with our words. Let's call them. Let's send them a text. Heard you're going through a tough time. Here's the third one. This is my final gauge. A mileage gauge, an odometer is what we call it in our car. And the question we ask when we're checking the, the mileage gauge is, am I moving the relationship down the road or am I slowing people down around me? It's a great African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. 
That's an African proverb. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. It's very similar. It says, you were called to travel on the same road in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. Not all your relationships are going to go the distance. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you're going to be. Some of us feel loyal even though we're being abused. Some of us are being loyal even though we're being used. Some of us are being loyal at the cost of being confused. This week you should check your relationships. Your coworkers, your friends, your kids, your spouse. Am I carrying them? Am I, am I helping them get down the road? Am I helping them accomplish their dreams? Am I pushing them towards their destiny? And then vice versa, as you do that, you should inspect the people around you. Are they helping me to get somewhere or am I just on a drive? This last couple of years, I've had to make adjustments in my relationships. And this one was a big one. Because I had relationships that I was loyal to for 30 years, 22 years, 17 years. Guys that were my age running with me. But guess what? When I looked at my dashboard, I wasn't going anywhere with them. And yet they were taking up so much time, so much resource, and so much energy that it took my wife to help me understand these are one-sided relationships. They're not going with you, Josh. They're actually going the other way. It's important that you inspect your relationships and be a better friend. Am I helping them get to where they're supposed to be? Or taking them on a side road that I want to travel myself? Here's the questions in this you could ask. Does it have the potential to go the distance? Number two, is this relationship helping them to get to their destination? And are they helping me to get to mine? Here's one for all my friends that are dating or engaged. The question is, are they, do they have like destinies? It's the biggest question I ask young people when they're talking about getting married. He's so cute. He's, he's got big muscles. He's going to get old and fat. Love him right now, but that's all going away. Get the picture 20 years down the road right now. You're all, you're all sold on. He goes to the gym. Wait till he has three kids. He ain't going to no gym anymore. He's going to push a lawnmower. The things that we get enamored with in choosing a spouse or in the dating relationship, it's all surface junk. They dress nice. He's got a nice car. Yeah, it cost him a thousand bucks a month, too. He ain't got no money to take you to dinner. It's all tied up in that BMW. We get wrapped up in the little things and the question that I really think we should be asking, listen to me, young people, is, is your destiny aligned? Is your destination the same? Will they help you fulfill your purpose? And do you have the ability to help them fulfill their purpose? And if not, why are you dating? Loneliness is not a reason to date. Man, I feel sorry for so many people that they date for so long and they'll say, I knew it at the beginning. I should have never done that. I knew from the week one when we went out, he said this or she said that. I knew our destinies were apart, but, but we had so much invested Can they take you where you need to go and can you take them where they're supposed to go? Let me finish this. Man, you guys are so quiet today. Sorry for stepping on your toes. Not only do we have the gauges, but there's also bells and whistles and lights that come off and on in your car from time to time. 
You ever experienced that? And for the most of us, I'm just going to generalize most of us, we just blow it off. Check engine light comes on, and your wife's like, baby, the check engine light just came on. You're like, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Car's good. My wife's laughing because I do this all the time. I'll take you to the shop next, next month. We ain't got no money for car repairs anyway. She said, hey, if it blows up, we're going to need a whole new car. Take it to the shop. There's bells and whistles that go off in your car. The, the one that keeps going off in my Jeep is the ABS. Yeah, advanced braking system. And what it's saying is, hey, I'd, I'd be careful. Your brakes not may stop your car. And yet I'm like, it's just the brakes. It's no big deal. Who needs to stop? Just, just downshift. I could downshift it right into a stop. We blow those off. How about the one that says maintenance required? It's just maintenance required. Well, that's general. I don't need that. I believe that the Holy Spirit is our sensor guide. He'll prompt you every once in a while and say, you need to check the engine. That relationship, the, the heart of this thing is broken. And yet you can't see it right now, but I'm trying to warn you. You're about to blow a piston. You're about to throw a rod. This whole thing's about to implode. Don't get hurt. Check it out. Ask the tough questions. Some of us, we've been hearing that ABS. Listen to me, all my dating people. I, every time we do a relationship series, everybody's like, you're leaving out all the single people. No, I'm talking to you more than I'm talking to the married people. They're stuck. You're not. <laughs> You still have a choice. That ABS comes on and the Holy Spirit's saying, slow it down. He's trying to warn you that this dude is wanting more than friendship. Tap the brakes, young ladies. And young men, maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Slow things down. There's no rush. I, I, I just tell you right now, I, I'm not marrying anybody unless you've been dating for a year. I'm putting my name on it. I'm standing before God, doing that before God. And man, I, I really don't want to have my name on something that you haven't figured it out. You're just trying it out. So a year's a long time. Compared to what? 20 years of hell and then divorce? We live in a microwave society. Everybody wants an instant marriage right now. Whoa, whoa, you need a crockpot dating experience. Put that sucker in, lock the lid down, and set it. Let's see the temperature that happens, and let's see the pressure that arises. Listen, if you ain't dated somebody for six months, you ain't even know them yet. They still showing up on time for the dates. They still getting dressed up and showing up with flowers. Twelve months in, man, it's a totally different thing. I'm saying this to somebody right now. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to some of our young people. Slow it down. Pump the brakes. You're headed for disaster. But yet, well, I'm, I'm, we've been dating for three years. Who cares? Check the inside. Your word first, people, led by the Spirit of God. Go to the book and find the gauges you need to put in place. And then ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of the adjustments that need to be made. close with this. No one relationship is a one-size-fits-all. You can't check your wife against how you check your co-workers. The same relationships that you have with your kids cannot be the same that you have with your boss. Every relationship has different needs. It has different nuances and different dynamics. Some are going to require way more of your attention than the others. 
if you, and I'm learning this the hard way, my wife will tell you, just being transparent, my job takes up a lot of my time, but I can't let my workload and my responsibility overlook my kids and my interaction with them to monitor that. All you guys that have your guys' nights and your buddies' nights and poker nights and drinking nights or fishing Saturdays or whatever it is, that's a whole day given to people, and you need to check that against how much time are you going on dates with your spouse. Your kids, how many times do you skip practice because you'd rather do something else? And the whole time they're looking on the sideline looking for dad or mom. I know this is heavy today, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. My wife can tell you. This is something we're working on, being more present. But what is it? It's not even more be about more present. It's being more, more present in the moment to check out all the gauges in our life and the relationships that we're maintaining. And I'll say it one more thing. Maybe some of us, you're, you're maintaining too many relationships. Trying to make everybody happy all the time. Guess what? Never going to happen. But if you would stop and slow down a few of these relationships, you'd actually have more time and energy to pour into the relationships that actually matter. No one relationship is one size fits all. But here's the problem. Everybody wants to blame everybody else. It's our responsibility for checking and maintaining our side of the relationship, nobody else. When I started driving at 15, my dad told me, he said, everybody's an idiot. I was like, that's weird, driving advice. He said, no, you need to hear me. Everybody's an idiot. Everybody on the road's an idiot. And I was like, that's kind of mean. He said, wait and see. <laughs> and he said, everybody on the road is an idiot, Josh. They're only looking out for themselves. That's idiotic. So drive defensively. Keep everybody away. Drive the way you know how to drive. Drive the way I taught you. And I would say this to you. You can't control the drivers next to you, but you can control the vehicle you're in. I can't control how people treat others but I can control how you treat me. Boundaries are okay. This isn't in my notes, and I'll, I'll let Steph talk about this next week. Uh, she's going to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, but some of us just need to put some boundaries in our life. You've been getting stepped on and stepped over and stepped on for, for decades. Man, that, that junk needs to come to an end. You need to get a backbone, get the word, get a group of friends, and put some boundaries up and say, hey, no longer are you going to talk to me that way. No longer are you going to take advantage of me like you've been doing. No longer am I going to put up with the abuse. She's going to talk about it next week. That's, that's godly. Let me pray for you before I ramble on for too much longer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we receive this even though it's heavy and it's, it's heavy, but it's healthy. Thank you for your, for your word, Lord, that gives us direction. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us insight. We, we say today, we're going to be better stewards of our relationships. We're going to do some checkup on ourselves this week, Lord. So as we do, as we look through these notes, and we look through these scriptures this week in our own quiet time, Lord, speak to us about the gauges that we need to adjust. And maybe there's more gauges that need to be added to our dashboards. Lord, our desire is to be good and great at relationships. Lord, we want to get where we're supposed to go, and we want to help get those around us to where they're supposed to be. All across this room, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I started the message the same way I want to end it, and that is God designed you and created you to have a relationship with you. And to me, that's the most important relationship you could ever start. 
It's the most important relationship you could ever have in your life. Because the truth is, is without a godly model of healthiness in our relationships, we're going to be toxic. And we're going to be toxic to those around us. So I want to invite you today to give your heart to the Lord. What does that mean? It just means you're, you're, you're repositioning how you do life. Instead of doing what you want, you're going to choose to do what He wants. And the great thing is, He wants to help you. In fact, He says it so clear. For all those that call out, they need help. In that moment, I'll show up and I'll be there. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I need prayer. I, I need Jesus in my life. I need a fresh start. My relationships have not been the best. And if this is where I need to start, this is it for me today. Today's my day. All across this room, if you say, Pastor, pray for me, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Just wave it at me. I see you right up front, buddy. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. So many hands going up. I see you right here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I got you in the back. Yes. Way in the back, my friend. I got you two right here in the front. I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. All the way in the back. Yes. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Just, just wave your hand. Be courageous. I see you guys right here in the middle. So many hands. Yes, yes. I won't embarrass you. I see you in the back. I'm not going to call you out. One more chance. Pastor, pray for me. Just put your hand up. I see you. Yes, yes. Yes, right here. Got you in the back. Yes. Greatest day of your life. I see you guys all in the back. I'm so pumped for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Do this. Do me a favor. Look up at me now. Everybody look up at me. Probably 20, 25 hands went up today, which is amazing. Yeah. This is why we do everything we do. Everything that we do at this church comes down to this moment. So I'm going to ask nobody, move just for a moment. Just hang tight just for a second. We'll dismiss you. I want us to pray together as a family. And those of you that raised your hand, again, I just want to say congratulations. This decision you're making is going to drastically change everything in your life. So let's pray it out of our heart. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, say right here from your belly, believe it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I say thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him to this earth to die on a cross to pay for my sins. So today, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I repent. I turn from my way of living. And I'm now asking you for your help. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer today?